music-loving people, and guys, we are halfway through our season finale. Third of the way through, if you're counting our Happy Hour mini-sode, which is going to be so happy and so many, but not many at all, macro episode. It's going to be our, yeah, macro episode. Our largest mini-sode. It's it's so huge, guys. But guys, let me tell you something right here. We are halfway through ranking the discography of Prince, his uh, the the purple one, his nastiness, the little red Corvette that could, uh, guys. It is. I mean, we are into it right now. Uh, I would highly recommend it. For some reason, you're just like, I want to know what the number one album is. I really recommend you check out the part one episode because God, we got into it here, and it was me, Evan Soddy, it was co-creator Taryn O'Reilly, it was John Harvey, our most featured guest of all time. You're kind of the uh, you're kind of the Sheena Easton of the podcast. I oh. really didn't know that. I mean, uh, hopefully you. one day, hopefully one day I can become the Sheila Easton and the thing that keeps this train rolling. Exactly. Well, <laughs> keep talking about your sugar walls. You're going to get there. So, uh, guys, we are <laughs> here. Uh, Prince likes vaginas. I don't know if you know this. Yeah, we didn't even talk about Apollonia's solo career. Can you believe that? Wait, uh, she had a solo career? They actually tried to do uh, songs, but that album never came together. Yeah. And the album did, though. He's so dumb. More stuff for the Happy Hour. Wait, Vanity no, Set. that's the Vanity Six album. Yeah, that's Van- I meant that, Vanity Six. Yeah, and uh, Apollonia Six had an album. Yeah. Yeah, but which one yeah. has Scarlet Pussy? <laughs> uh, oh my god. I think actually Vanity Six. Vanity Six sneak has preview, Scarlet Pussy. Sneak preview of the Happy Hour Mini, so we're going to talk about that song he wrote where a dog and a cat fuck. But hey, listen, we're going to get there. It's going to happen. In the meantime, though, we are ranking his albums from worst to best. Uh, they were in Princeton in the 80s. We're focusing on a very specific era from 1978 to 1990 because it covers a lot, and we're going to get into it. Six of the album, 12 albums that we have already ranked, already done. We're not mentioning them because we want you to listen to part one. Instead, let me tell you what's left. We have 1979's Self-Titled Effort. We have 1980's Dirty Mind. We have 1981's Controversy. We have uh, 1982's 1999. Oh, such a weird (laughs) thing to say. Uh, We have 1984's Purple Rain and 1987's Sign of the Time. So guys, we are at number six. And here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to nominate something for our number six slot. I think it may surprise some. I don't think it will when you really think about it. But guys, number six, my pick, Controversy. I Heavy sighs from the audience. I just, I... Yes? No. Okay. No, no, and I, see, I get where you're coming from, except that Controversy, the title track, is like, Like, like it's God level. It is God level, and it's one of the, like, the... Best extended it's funk jams he's ever. ever. It carries so many of all the iconic mm-hmm. elements. Even yeah. like that, like that, like that weird talk thing that he does. Um, like people call me rude. I wish we all were nude. I wish there was no black or white. It's just, yeah, exactly. And it's just, it just like at no point does it ever get stale. And it just that keeps song, you, like, yeah. engaged um, and bopping for seven minutes. Oh, yeah. And no, it that just... song is, I would say, an underrated masterpiece mm-hmm. in every possible and way. And then, like, 
sexuality maybe uh, but do me baby track three is like again like i think that's like peak sex jam prince which for one me. do me baby i do really love do me baby, do me baby. <laughs> but here's the other thing though is that listen um, i know we're talking about uh, you know an album that you know someone consider good but god there is some shit on this album and i don't mean like there's bad songs there are Really, really. Which one are we going for? Andy like, Christian. I mean, I can go for Ronnie Andy Talk Christ. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will give you also Ronnie Talk to. Life in taxi cabs. Ronnie Talk to Russia is also not a good one. Yeah, but Ronnie Talk to Russia. Right. I mean, yeah, no, it's it's garbage, but it's also less than two minutes long. Private Joy is. I like. I dig. I like Private Joy. I like Private Joy. I do. Private Joy. Ja- Jack you off is kind of like he's like a carryover Jack you from off Jack you under my No, no, no. Jack you off. Okay, so also like fact, you want to talk about it. Right, sorry, continue. Fun fact: I first heard Robin's cover of this song the Rockamoni as as like, and it's also a, a like hidden track on her self-titled 2007 album. Um, and so, but then when I first heard the Prince version with the full band and like harmonies I like it kind of blew my mind a little bit and so yeah. that I think that's one of my favorite prince songs not because it's incredible but just because it does exactly what it sets out to do it's inflammatory it's it's more like, controversial it's kinda, than anything it's else. It's still kind of sexy anyway, well, though. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, like, rockabilly. I like that because that was that was the, the last song that I feel like he made that was intentionally trolling audiences. Yeah. Which is one of, I'll get into a lot with Dirty Mind because oh, yeah. I fucking love Dirty Mind. <laughs> um, but, like, uh, like, which I think we may actually, which may segue into Dirty Mind, because it's really hard to talk about controversy. Well, At least controversy the context, is like a sequel to Dirty Mind. And so up. much of the yeah, context, and the context of controversy is so much a result of Dirty Mind. Uh-huh. So like, uh, Dirty Mind, for the record, for those who don't know, he had hits off of For You, and especially Prince, yeah. the album, but Dirty Mind is what launched him. Dirty Mind was the shocker. So, like, uh, so what's up with, like, so Controversy, like, he releases Dirty Mind, and Dirty Mind is, like, his breakout album. Like, there was... really he had, so, he had, like, you know, Prince and For You were successful, and they had good singles. Uh, I, I Want to Be Your Lover was still a big, was still a big hit, but none of them went number one until Dirty Mind, which is, like, uh, which, like, you know, they, which, okay. <laughs> He's so really like, excited about Dirty Mind, you guys. So like, so basically, like you know, he breaks out with with Dirty Mind, and then like I feel like then pe- then it's also the American public is now studying Prince. Like, what the who is this guy dancing in his underwear and singing about incest and oral sex? And it's like, and so like then controversy. Like the lead single is like a response to like people calling him out. Like, what are you? What is this? And so like controversy. Like, am I black or white? Am I straight or gay? And it's like that is kind Do of. Do I believe in God? Do I believe in me? Yeah. yeah. And it's like it's so like so much of what he's talking about feels like responding to what people are trying to guess he is, while simultaneously diverting that and still never letting you figure that what it is. He's like he's like opens up the conversation and then he like in typical perspective he steers it away into something else. I honestly am don't for whatever reason my mind is going here. Just roll with me on it. It reminds me of remember when Eminem uh, came out with the Marshall Mathers LP, mm-hmm. this like diamond selling, like controversial, and someone even called groundbreaking rap album that caused all these fires. And then the next album we put up was called Encore, which did the exact same thing. It was more talking about the controversy he caused. 
and kind of like framing the conversation to a degree, which is great, which is fine, but it will never be as thrilling as when you're causing the controversy, mm -hmm. as when you're doing that straight mm -hmm. up. So as such, like, there's that, that's the thing about... It weird how musically controversy, aside from its weird fucking experiments and fucking any Christian, is it very musically is again it's a holding pattern which Prince doesn't do a whole lot of. Like you can make the argument Batman is kind of a holding pattern against love well, sex, I mean, but like every album is usually different. It has and also hear me out. You're talking about these templates. Yeah, Dirty Mind, that drum beat. Pretty much follows pretty similar to the controversy one. He kind of carries it over. Um, I'm trying to think. Head, which one? Like a DMSR, pretty similar to Head. You kind of like, but like it's kind of certain break. Whereas like later he would definitely figure out how to work with that template better. Yeah. Like controversy is still kind of. He's like, oh, I solved the template. Now let's study the template. Right, and I feel like 1999. It just like the clarity and confidence of which that A side is just feels so far removed from what controversy does. Because it's weird though. After being in the studio and really polishing himself for his debut with Prince, and then especially on Dirty Mind, he gets grittier. He gets looser. He gets more analog, baby. He gets like he gets like just kind of lets himself. And even like if you look at the cover of Dirty Mind, he's like in a fucking thong with his long hair and a jacket and bare chest and. Then he's got kind of this diamond little pattern behind him kind of thing, it's, framing it's, it. Uh, it's the springs of a bed. Yeah! It's the springs of a fucking bed. And that's the thing. Dirty Mind sounds more like a bedroom pop album than it does anything else. Like, it's so gritty and basic, and, like, all the flourishes from For You are gone. It's like he found, like, some realism that's, to I it. I mean, that's pretty accurate. I mean, even those flourishes from For You, I feel like Prince is just, like, the self-titled is, is just like a maturation of For You. Certainly he gets a lot more into the rock and the screaming and what we will know as Prince coming forward. But I I think then Dirty Mind was his, just like, that was his first big reinvention. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I think that uh, it has some of his like most incredible moments. Mm -hmm. Like I think that Party Up is one of the best Party like up. closers. Get to again, again, up. it's not like a brilliant or even. It's not nothing groundbreaking, but people like in it terms just of like re does like, it exactly right. But people like really like want to like sometimes like or at least critics want to underplay like oh like is it influential? Does it try something new? And the effort and when doing that, sometimes it just downplays how powerful just an amazing collection of songs is. Right, exactly. And how like how like puts it like it's. I still like, and even like looking back, I think it's kind of revered a little bit higher, but even more than something as experimental as 1999, because it's just deep down, despite we want to talk about cultural importance, people just want a fucking good album. They yeah, just yeah. want. Yeah, but the other thing and that's too, what Dirty Mind is. On top of it, on top of it, I feel like the other thing is that if you listen to the synth line of, say, Uptown, it's been, Uptown, like, you hear that? That sounds like it would belong on For You, that exact synth line. Mm -hmm. But why doesn't the song sound like it belongs on For You? And the reason is, is because Dirty Mind, and I would even argue with self-titled Prince, he really really starts discovering his personality. He mm -hmm. really starts discovering what he as a songwriter wants to do. Because then, like, you hear, like, when he talks about, you know, Uptown isn't just a song about going uptown. It's, for him, an idealistic place, an escape where everyone can dance and party mm -hmm. and have fun, which he continues on with 1999 and other things And like also, that. Uptown actually, as, as I know because, like, everybody frames it as just an idealistic place, but actually Uptown was the actual section where mm -hmm. him, Andre, Simone... 
uh, Morris Day and all these early collaborators did gather. Like, it was like, as a young kid, Prince was always bullied, you know, in high school, you know, for his height, it was like his weirdness. And so, like, uh, and so, like, there's this guy that's like, he's like, he's born in poverty, he's this angry kid, but, you know, like, he's just like, music is this escape. And so, where does he go to do music? It's in this place of uptown with all these people, and also it does fit in all these ideas because he's abandoned that. It is an actual place yeah. of people of all colors and differences, and so I feel like that's why it's so genuine. Because not only is it this metaphor, uptown is the actual place that Prince went to for peace of mind, which happened to be a dirty mind. I also think that Peaceful on dirty, dirty mind, mind uh, one of like his best crescendos and like climax moments is on uh got a broken heart again oh yeah Ooh. when because it's it's like it's ba- it's only it's just over two minutes long and it starts and it's a very nice like very enjoyable very stevie like, wonder yeah. exactly this is uh self-titled and dirty mind are really when i hear him having his stevie wonder moments like because he's breaking out of the like because for Pop- is basically carbon copy Stevie Wonder album, like without mm-hmm. the personality. Even Keith like, Richards yeah. once called him out for the tour as just a as a Stevie Wonder wannabe. But to be fair, I feel like if Steve if Keith Richards is talking shit about your music, you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, just complete side note. Can we talk about uh, how much of a dick he was when? Uh, the Verve had that song, uh, you know, their biggest hit, uh, Bittersweet Symphony. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was the controversy about it, how uh, the orchestra sample that was used, do, 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 you know, that yeah. whole thing, uh, that's actually a string cover of a Rolling Stones song. Uh, and so as such, the Rolling Stones sued the Verve and won, and all 100% of the songwriting royalties go to the Rolling Stones. I don't think it's 100%. No, it is. no. That, it, it is a large portion. It's yeah. not a... They didn't... Uh, the songwriting royalties. But before they didn't, credit, maybe. They didn't, yeah. like, successfully like, they, sue for 100% of the money of a song they did They write. did. It was a copyright violation. Anywho, but the biggest thing about it, though, is that then they, they talked about, like, well, aren't you being, like, a little bit, like, hard on them? Like, aren't you, like, uh, you know, like, can't you just, like, let them have a little bit? And he said, listen, if they write another song as good as that, sure, I'll consider it. Like, I'm like, Keith Richards, you fucking asshole. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's its own. I mean, dude, he's talk shit about Bowie, Elton John... Oh, man, like, there's, like, a list. I just Googled it, and somebody compiled, like, a list of 18 people Keith Richards has talked shit about. And they're, like, all amazing. That's, uh, that, <laughs> listen, that is a high standard which we're going to. But, but. Uh, jumping back into it there, uh, I think, really, when you get down to it, when you think about the what Dirty Mind accomplishes, accomplishes and what it does, really, controversial belongs to number six. Um... I would maybe go with 1999 here too, but like, I mean, I'm kind of like in that. I'm kind of. I'm with you. I like 1999 just a little bit more. Like they're pretty close, but I like 1999 a little bit more than. Kanji. But I nominated 1999 for number ten, yeah. so I'm gonna say that it should go here at number six. Um, if if it were really that close, um, because I really enjoy controversy. And I think that it deserves to be in the top five. Because here's the thing. Whenever we're considering these albums, we do have to consider that they're albums. So as much as we want to be like, oh, well, there's more highlights on this than this, we also have to consider it's an album, and the bad songs are going to weigh it down. Um, uh, and both these albums have bad songs on it. Let's be real. I just I just counted. The thing is, like, all the... I like... The amount of songs I like on both albums is pretty equal, but 1999 does have more songs, which I guess means there's more songs I don't like on there. Yeah. 
But you I mean, but I'm also more okay with the songs that I don't like on 1999 than I am okay with the songs I don't like on Controversy. But I just like the the songs on Controversy that hit for me hit so much harder. Like really, the only thing on 1999 that I come away wanting to listen to again is Little Red Corvette, and even that, I wish that he had produced like the first minute and a half differently. So I just. I just, I, I really don't connect with that album. I just think that, man, like, <laughs> the highs on 1999, Little Red Corvette, DMSR, and Lady uh, Cab Driver are uh, just significantly higher than, besides, Controversy, I feel like, is the only song on that album. Well, that Controversy... Sucks. And Jack You Off. Yeah, Jack You Off, and, um... Kind of like a, I, I do really enjoy Let's Work. But, like, I think those are the only ones that kind of match up not or controversy the only one that comes as close to having a song as good as 1999 or Red Corvette or DMSR. Yeah. I, th- I think we might, guys, I think we may run into a legitimate outvoting scenario here, legitimately, to make it... Can we, at the very least, at the very least, can we all in unison agree that both of these albums should occupy either the number five or number six slots? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Can we do that? Sure. Okay. It's controversial, but I'm gonna go ahead and throw my vote here. If you're if you're really determined to have 1999 number six, and you're okay with having controversy at number six, I'm gonna throw my weight uh, behind John Harvey and have controversy at number six, 1999 at number five. I just don't think that's what the consensus said. I don't know. I mean, I like, made a, I made a pretty good case. Weighted voting. I just. Like, I, really... I mean, if I really wanted to be difficult, I'd say throw p- the self-titled in there. But... Yeah, that's you being really difficult. <laughs> Extremely difficult. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't hate that either. But, no, I... Do you want to talk? Certainly self-titled is not below 1999 for that me. Would, yes. I just... I, like, 1999 for me is, like, also below Around the World in a Day and for you. So I just... I, like, mm. I really... I, I'm going to fight really hard to not have it go any higher than this. I just... I just I don't this is think, contentious, I you just guys. don't think that like the strongs on controversy get as I mean even if it's just like four I mean controversy is only an eight album eight song album anyway mm-hmm. and like even like two of them maybe get as like iconic or like even you just want to talk like, even to say they're all the same quality just the influence and like the cultural relevance if like you're adding on like these little extra points. Like, you've already got the solid grade and you have these extra points. I think the little extra things of 1999 carry it further. Mm-hmm. Tara, indeed. Fine, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in that case, guys, let's go ahead. Let's do it right here. Controversy at number six, 1999 at number five. But, guys, now that we're at this point here, now that we're at this point, we are down to four albums. Self-titled. Sure, self-titled. I mean, we haven't even really talked about it yet, yeah. but like we spent a lot of time talking about Dirty Mind. A side of self-titled, flawless, and um, then yeah, <laughs> they um. So with the self-titled, some of my things with it, well, I do really enjoy it, and I think, like I said earlier, I'm glad that this one was called Prince, because yeah. this is when Prince discovers really Prince, for sure. And yeah. like yeah. pretty much the stuff that you will find on here, a lot of these things is still the majority of the the qualities that you, that define the rest of the the rest of his his uh, output. The thing is, like, uh, so, like, we're talking about the extended funk jams. Prince has, you know, I'd say that Sexy Dancer is the extended funk jam. Uh Yeah. Of that. But where I don't, 
where I'm not as where where I do really enjoy Sexy Dancer, I find that it's not as com complex as some of the other funk jams he's doing, where it's not as layered. Like when like yeah. it's really just like it's where a good groove, head, yeah. but like when he does like the Sexy Dancer, it's that same synth. Dun, 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 dun. Sexy dancer and it repeats that and then you like you can time all the what? Side <laughs> 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 so, note: Prince may be the number one screaming artist of all time. Oh, no. oh. oh god! It was so funny to uh, to be listening to Prince like out loud at work this week because it'd be very chill very we're like movie, helping people funky. on the phones and then suddenly he's screaming and you're like i'm sorry can you repeat that ma'am one moment i can't hear you over this man having an orgasm on stage <laughs> hold on one second i have to take care they of this have, it's a, i was look there, there's like a list that i found these lists of the top 30 print screams i thought they fucked up their list was terrible They're, but there was a, <laughs> but just the fact that it existed yeah like, just like i'm just i i needed that list to exist so, they, um, but yeah, like, uh, I mean, it's got Bambi. God, fucking, like, you, you, I, no, no. I love Bambi. I just, it's, it's, gets really grating, though. No. It's, no, it, it's fucking great all the way through. Like, here's the, here's the thing, here's the I thing. I just, no, I mean, I mean, like, on repeat listens. Oh! I just, yeah. I just, I, I, I really enjoyed Bambi, yeah. and now I've listened to it too many moment. times, yeah. but, and which is already man, only like dude, five times. That, that just, solo, that solo on Bambi is just so, so one of the good. one of the best Prince. One. And here's the thing, I the part of the reason why I was so insistent about like Prince in the '80s being 1978 to 1990 is because I wanted to include this album so fucking hard because listen. I'm not gonna be the guy that sits here and says still waiting is great because guess what guys it's I don't even fucking remember how it is. I'm I actually that's one of the ones I'm more okay with. Uh, I, I, I feel for you waiting. is fine, but let's be real. Oh, yeah, speaking of hokey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But also, that's, I'm learning. It's very interesting to me. John Harvey is totally okay with hokey prints. <laughs> Dude, well, I mean, you should in a see. Way you that should, I am not. You at should all. see what hokey shit I'll excuse from Nilsson. Like, oh, uh, yeah, I, I you can know, only imagine. I, yeah. I mean, like. I mean, God, we've been singing about love songs for fucking a millennia now. Like, yeah. I mean, like, how, how many... I know. Anything... And, and then he tries to be subversive. Good old desk. Oh, it smells God. You see what he's doing, guys? Like, okay, that's not really that. Let's be real. But here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. The thing is, and I'm not gonna... I'm gonna say, I feel for you. I think it's a fine song. I genuinely, yeah. and I mean this truly, the Shaka Khan cover is way better. Uh, uh, yeah. But I like... Shaka Khan, everybody, everybody. I'm Shaka just Khan. not as into... I think it kind of... I like the album. I do think it kind of dips at when we're dancing and with you a little bit. I don't think are the when best balance. When we're dancing balance. close and slow is great. That I is don't a think beautiful fucking ballad. I think when we're dancing close and slow is like right mm. on point. Yes. That is like if you like good like sweet 70s mm -hmm. ballads, that is a great song. Yes. 100%. Because it's not it's not very Prince. No. I'll give you that. But I think that it's a very well executed song. The other thing I will say though and I mean this truly is that the those first two songs, I Want to Be oh. a Lover and also Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad are yeah. some of my all-time favorite Prince songs. The way that I, I Why You Want to Treat Me So Bad closes out is just one of the best exits of any Prince song. That when it does, he's doing that like that like four-note solo, yeah. -na 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 -na. <laughs> and then just like right before the fade-out, he brings it up to the high. Like, yeah, exactly, like, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I want to treat, treat me so bad. bad. Like, Cause I love you. Pew! 
Like, oh, there's God, so much it's... you like liking yeah, this. Oh, like, yeah, it's like fucking great song. Like, it's funny. Like. It's weird, like, when he, it's kind of funny because when you do see, like, the videos of him dancing to it, like, the way that he's dancing on video is probably exactly what you're doing in your head, where it's, like, one hand up and, like... Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, but, like, yeah, and the thing is, like, you have that Bambi, especially especially after something as boring as With You, I mean, I still love it, Dancing Club, oh, so, 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 Bambi just explodes off that beat, mm-hmm. like, like, this, and, it, like, and the thing is, while he did try rock with, uh, you know, For You a little bit, this year it explodes, like, this is him, like, guess what, guys, I'm fucking and here, the big thing about it, especially too, like as much as we're talking about this being a good album, culturally, he was an R&B artist beforehand. And what R&B artist fucking breaks out of the Hendrix style '60s rock number? Yeah, like, that's no always that's what even I mean, he did that a bit on for you, even just the guitar solos in those R&B songs. It really like it, when what you're sitting there listening to a perfectly enjoyable R&B track and then a fucking amazing guitar solo comes in and you're like oh I mean even like in a song on like Lady Cab Driver yeah. like all of a sudden it's like you know it's like it's it's doing like the instrumental kind of breakdown and it's like there's like the bump 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 wow and then all of a sudden, like full force distortion, like uh, like this fucking Adrian Blue talking head solo, <laughs> where it's just him like shredding the fuck out of it. Yeah. After what's one of his like most like just stand like actual funk like old school funk numbers follows up with the most new wavy solo. Right, but the other thing about that too is that like at the time he he distinguished himself as not just being an R and B artist. He's like I also do rock, and as, because he does rock, that led to him kind of being like white audiences and, being like, hey, and there might be something to this guy, and that's kind of helped what made him the yeah. breakthrough and, that he was. And he's yeah. like, I'm not just an R and B guy. I'm a pop guy. Put me on the pop sales, and he had to fight really hard and to really get hard. to get on the pop section, and it worked. Like it ended up like getting up to like. 60 on the Billboard Pop, and then, like, it was yeah. 6 on R&B. Yeah, like, I mean, and because, again, print, and, like, Soft and, Soft and Wet was a small hit. Like, it was a minor hit enough for Warner Brothers to be, like, maybe. And that's why, with Prince, because he went over budget on the first album, he had to go a little bit lesser budget on this one. He just went out for it. And, again, uh, I, I Want to Be Your Lover was a hit, like, a legitimate, actual hit. I think, if I'm not mistaken, bigger than anything off of Dirty Mind, specifically, except maybe When You Were Mine. But, uh, yeah, it is just, it's it's a great album. The the B side is kind of weak. It's kind of all over the place. That A side oh, man. is killer. I gotta say, just like across the board, the songs by Prince, with a few notable exceptions, the songs by Prince that were hits don't make sense to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, as, yeah. like uh, for the Bad most dance. part, when I look at the single that did most well, as opposed to like the song that I enjoy the most on an album, it never lines up. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a baby it's, kiss. Definitely. Yeah, except... (laughs) Yeah. But, like, yeah, so, listen, I'm I'm okay with it. The fact that it is rubbing shoulders with Dirty Mind, Purple Rain, and Sign of the Times is okay with me. Self-titled at number four. Let's lock it in. But now, now, this shit gets real. Fucking... I mean, I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. Yep. I really like Dirty Mind. I don't... I mean, I can listen to it from start to finish, but I think it 
needs to go at number three. I'm with you. I gotta be honest, I'm with you. Like, listen, Dirty Mind is fantastic. Because here's the thing. Again, when we talk about Do It All Night, when we talk about, uh, even and again, even kind of the you know early Blondie funk of When You Were Mine, mm. which, by the way, Cindy Lauper covered on her which, massive hit album, uh, She's I, So Unusual, the same thing girls that want to have fun on it. Just because, just because, like, it may end up going down at three. I just, like, I, I want to quote... Uh, John Harvey's going to take a stand I, on the hill. Well, no, no. I first want to talk some more about Dirty Mind because Harvey it's... Referendum. Because I want to I want to quote JC, our, our former guest for the uh, back episode. John C. Shikota from uh, the uh, back episode. He uh, no, he made a he made an excellent excellent point. What I love most, one of the things I love most about Dirty Mind is that I feel like it's the last time that Prince was like just having fun with it and wasn't taking himself as seriously as he did. Like songs like so Head is like tied for one of my favorite Prince songs. Yeah. Like I fucking love Head is just an amazing song and it's just this idea that he's like kind of trolling audiences like oh you think it's weird that like I'm in my underwear even though Parliament Funkadelic did it? Yeah. Like uh, like we're doing that like sure like I'll like, lead people to believe like yeah this is what I'm about that I do maybe want to have sex with my sister because like the fans will get it. The fans will be like ha oh Prince man that's great like that's you're trolling Prince it. Guy. But like his knowing that like because he wasn't like on top of the world, he wasn't like the public eye wasn't like saying what's up with this Prince guy. So he's gonna go make the song about head, and then all of a sudden everybody's like, what the fuck is like what the fuck is up with this guy? And so like with the response being controversy, like I just love the idea that this bedroom pop album. I mean like he like that's just like like it's it's almost inspirational like on this indie level because like yeah. there's like it's like it sounds like something it entirely relies on its own songwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's almost like you want to give himself that challenge, too, where, like, clearly, just on the debut alone, he proved he is a master at the studio. Mm-hmm. He oh, can make yeah, the absolutely. slickest pop possible, but he's like, I want to make the best songs possible, which he started doing on self-titled, mm-hmm. but he really pushed through hard. And I don't know about you guys, there's not a song I don't love on that album. Uh, there's songs... That I don't love, but I would say there's no songs. Like, that right, I there are no. Yeah. Well, there are no songs that I even like. That even I would say Where, don't do it yeah. for me. Yeah. There are songs that I don't they love, don't do it all night. but they're but they're like yeah. I said. It's I'm always like. But, there's nothing that I want to skip. But I want to listen to this album do, from start to finish. Do Hell Night does have like one of the best fucking bass lines right before that. That. <laughs> 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 well, also, can, we, can we talk about can we talk about the actual song "Dirty Mind" itself? Mm-hmm. That kind of like really basic sense, like it just kind of builds you into this. Cause I got a dirty mind. Like, yeah, it's it's just, a, yeah, it's a very then, simple group. One of my favorite, and I don't think it really counts as a shout, but I just love it where he's like, "I just wanna lay you, lay you. I just wanna yeah. lay you." Like it's just it's and it's weird because like it's not kind it's kind of crude, but not really. Like the the idea of dirty mind, like it's intriguing, and although the ideas, especially on you know head and sister, are you know shocking for a lot of audiences, like he plays it he plays it so straight down the middle. Like it's just, you almost yeah. believe him on these things, and clearly he's not having sex with his sister with yeah. his many sisters it's just like he's he's got you i mean also i think just like with like head just i think the idea of like him like it's not like he's like just stealing the girl and running off it's like no he steals your girl and because he's a good person and devoted guy he marries your girl and then they dedicate their life together of blowing each other Like he's also, did you, also, did you know that on their wedding day, married women will do just about anything to you? Do you realize that? That's what that song taught me. And uh, personally, and I know because I know it's not going to go anywhere. My third would be Purple Rain. 
Wow! Wow! John Harvey just said his favorite Prince album is not Purple Rain. I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong opinion. That's just because because I know I know I'm not I'm not gonna win. It's not really worth debating because three is still a totally perfect place for Dirty Mind. Prince got all the way up to because, number four. But, now, you, but now I think you, you know what my, my number one pick is. Well, okay, so like, oh, first, before anything else, can we lock in Dirty Mind at number three? Yes. That's pretty easy. Okay, guys, listen. I am telling you right now, I am exhausted. It's like the conversation we've had debating number one and number two takes place in the future, but it is just so much energy has been put into it, it is reverberating backwards through time, and it's affecting me right now. Because, guys, we're down to Purple Rain and Sign of the Times. And let me tell you something. Before we record... And listen, I know they're kind of the big... Critics point to them as like, they're really great, but here's the fucking thing. They are. And before this podcast, before we even hit Research Week, if you ask me a favorite Prince album, it wouldn't even have been a question. Purple Rain. Purple Rain. Purple Rain is basically, and I would argue Computer Blue, but really, for the most part, a flawless, and I never say this with the level of intention I mean it right now, a flawless pop album. That is such a rare thing to encounter. It's like watch seeing a bewildered beast with two backs hump a goat. Like, it is so out there and so I'm sorry. weird. <laughs> anyway. I got lost in all these. I just, he, there was just, there were so many images. Too here. many. I just, it, was, I it wasn't, it wasn't, um, talking. it wasn't coherent at it all. Wasn't, it wasn't no animal strike curious poses, that's for sure. <laughs> John Hardy for the win, guys. But here's the thing, and like, and we, and before we, and we went to talk about Purple Rain, how it ties to the film and all these other things, and listen, the sprawl of Sign of the Times, it is all over the place. I can say pretty definitively that I don't love every song on here. However, it is stunning. The sp- it, I mean, literally, it's a double dumb. The I would compare it to the White Album in and terms just of double albums. What it accomplishes it, across mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Tracks. It yeah. has the highest production he's ever done, some of the most basement lo-fi production he's ever done. Well, and I think it also really it, it benefits from being the culmination of what I think is like three different scrapped albums. And yeah. it's also and he pulled like the best things from each. And it's also Sorry, I, it's, White it's al- also on top of just the culmination of that time. It's such a it's like almost like the end of an era on that point. Like almost everything yeah. to me kinda culminates at sign of the times. And I also yeah, like yeah. You, you know, I was saying like how I felt like Dirty Mind was like the last time he stopped taking like things super seriously. And what I find interesting is that Sign of the Times was really, like, maybe the last time you've ever got close to that thing where it's really just about the music. It's like, like, while the Sign of the Times does have a message, it does, it's not, like, as preachy as something as America. It's just, like, it is more on the genuine end of how Prince is feeling about his community, because Prince has always been about the community. I think, and And I think that's pretty accurate, that for me, Sign of the Times, even though I'm... I'm going to spoil it and say it's not my favorite mm. Prince record. It is the moment where he, from start to finish, feels the most genuine. Mm-hmm. You really feel like you're getting unfiltered Prince and not 
the stage persona Prince. And mm-hmm. if you believe stories at the time, well, previously, he Prince would frustrate engineers because he would record a take and he'd immediately want to go on to the next instrument, record the next thing, but he was frustrated before because with analog take systems, they had to go ahead and rewind the tape to the right place, and it would sometimes take uh, several, several minutes. And that frustrated him so bad, and he because he's such a perfectionist and he's such a this-is-what-I-need-to-do kind of guy. Like, early on, that's what Prince was. When you hear about the stories that went into the making of Sign of the Times, it's so different. At one point, he was recording a song, and there was an engineer there, like, in his home studio, and, like, a light, there was a lightning storm, power went out, and all of a sudden, like, everything went... And you listen back to the tape, and it kind of had that same thing of just his voice going, ah, except it just went, like, a slowed down. And while Prince of the previous would have been upset by that, the Prince at the time was like, yeah, that's kind of good. This is the same, if this yeah. is the same story, I believe I, I believe that's for the Ballad of Dorothy Parker, which he said he was he was sleeping through a thunderstorm and yeah. dreamed up a Ballad of Dorothy Parker while that while the guy was repairing and trying to reboot the studio, and Prince is like, nah, let's just do it. So it had this weird quality, and he's like, well, it came from a dream. I wrote it in a dream, and it kind of sounds like a dream, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Which, by the way, Ballad of, the Dor- Ballad of Dorothy Parker... I will say, single-handedly, the best thing ever programmed on Alindrum. <laughs> yeah, well, is yeah. the but, like that is some of the most interesting electronic drumming I think I've to ever the heard. Extent that I didn't even realize it was. I would agree with that. I, I yeah, that song that song sounds, uh, and I think part of partially because it has that odd effect on it, but it it sounds uh, removed from this era for me. Mm-hmm. Like the that Ballad of Dorothy Parker could be released by some like indie artists today yeah, yeah. still yeah. totally believe that it had just been recorded like it it really it the ballad of dorothy parker like just nails right on the head mm-hmm. that sort of emotional like indie rock like sensation yeah. like you know other artists have based their careers off of hearing that fucking song yeah, totally, but, yeah. totally like just the way every all the structural elements of it like the way like that synthesizer like i, I mean obviously because there's an obvious influence kind of like reminds like that like kind of mac demarco-y kind of yeah. like synth like it falls in there like all these people yeah. bringing out the dx's that like that drum pattern is like very similar to what we've got going like the kind of stuff that we program yeah. today sure. but it's weird though because after breaking so many controversies and pushing so many rules this is also such emotionally such a different side of Prince that we get because listen uh, it's kind of controversial the song If I Was Your Girlfriend when he does the sped up Camille voice there I love it I love it yeah I love it that was also that was one where the first time I heard it I was like it's a gimmick but then no really listen to that track it is it is a brutal song and he builds up the paranoia on the end so well before like it's just the voice getting higher you hear that little UFO going up there and then it just cuts out and there's just nothing but drums after like there's this dramatic catharsis that's just like oh fuck like something happened no and I was with, I was with you because at point it seemed like you got like when I first hear you kind of laugh it off as like like these like kind of like funny like weird prince things like where he gets like really sexual like like you know like yeah. he got something like back to like that international lover thing where he's like welcome to prince air or whatever it is and you kind of and like, to, yeah, it. and so like you're kind of like so at first it seems like that, but like it's like because it has that genuine end. It's not like he's trying to like well, it's not like he's trying to make something for the public. It's like feels like more like his response and his hit like his like feminine side of his right. own relationships. Yeah. And it, right, it's not like he didn't name her Camille to be funny. He named her Camille because he really felt like this was a genuine like part of his artistic self that he needed to express. 
and mm-hmm. and he like this persona was important enough to him that he gave it a name. Yeah. And so when you look at it through that lens, I think if I was your girlfriend, uh, like really, I, I don't know. That's a huge highlight on this album for me for sure. And and, and just a quick side note, jumping off of that. I feel like when we talk about icons of the 80s, you talk about the big three of pop. You talk about Madonna, you talk about Michael, you talk about Prince. Uh, like, that's kind of the conversation that you have. And the thing is that I, my genuine feeling is that Michael Jackson had eccentricities that he wasn't able to always channel. Like, he had his albums there, he was a perfectionist, but he just, there was always that part where just stuff just kind of bled just out like, in different just directions. Static energy. Exactly. Yeah. Prince, all of his, all of his weirdness and all of his whatever, he always pushed out into something, into these uh, female voices, into these multiple female groups and albums that he produced, of these other guys' albums he produced. Yeah. Like, he always expressed whatever those things were in all these different ways. So, like, in many ways, that's kind of why his, even though his quality control is still all over the goddamn place, he was able to kind of, like, be up there with Michael because he was, like, channeling everything in these different he was weird so ways. prolific. Uh, I, gotta, yeah. I gotta ask you guys, because I've heard, and this one is, like, more mixed than I expected to be, side one or side two? Um, I've never thought about it. Sign in those of the times. Terms. Yeah. Oh what do you, my what do you god. Because I think you side mean disc one or disc, or two? disc one or yeah. disc one. Because I it's think a four that side out. I think yeah. I think uh, side. I think it's split. Isn't it? Uh, I, it starts at you got the look. It's, yeah. I think that the sex disc two is the best stretch of songs, the greatest, most consistent stretch of songs he's done. But I've heard people really? also go for the one. Oh yeah, I think it's gonna be a beautiful night into a door is the best one two he's ever fucking done. That's a that that's a really good one. But also the other thing you're forgetting about, even though I'm not in love with the religious lyrics, the cross, cross. the cross. I, yeah, that's yeah, a phenomenal track. That's, I mean, the, the thing is, the build on that is amazing, but the here, the mixing on that is so crazy because it's such a clear left right mm-hmm. thing. Like he's just playing. Now, he's not mixing st- like stereo almost at all on that. Like it is purely here's a guitar on one end, here's the acoustic on the other, here's the drums on one end, here's the tabla on the other. Like it's just like this mix. But like, I love okay. Uh, I think I mentioned this in the Beatles cast too, but that's something that they did on their song Lady Madonna. They did um, the they did the bass and the guitar yeah, yeah, in yeah. one channel, and then they did piano the voice. piano and saxophone oh, in yeah. the other channel, and they're all doing the same like walk up riff. But burr, 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 but if you burr, only burr, have burr, one headphone in. Like, if it's guitar and bass, it sounds really gritty. But if you have the other one, it's piano and saxophone, and it sounds like almost like Baroque pop. Yeah. And so when you put them together, it's this very, like, interesting textural thing, mm-hmm. especially coming from two different sides. And I feel like, yeah, he did a similar thing on, on The Cross, yeah. is that he, t- yeah. he took the the grit and the rock and put it in one channel, and then he put, like, the, the like, almost more public... What's the word I'm looking for? Like, accessible world... Yeah, the more accessible sounds on the other side. And you can fight me on this... Right. It's gonna be a beautiful night. Is the best extended Prince jam out there, funk jam in the catalog. You might be fought on that. Yeah, I might That's, be fought on that. I think. I mean, maybe I haven't had enough time with it, but it just it. There's just so many more that grab me immediately. Okay, so it, here's the other thing too: is that I mean, I can I a hundred percent again before this week. I could go either way on one of these being number one. So I'm really, really relying on you guys to convince me. So do you want to go? But for it? I'm not. I'm not even talking about that yet. But here's the one thing I do want to say. Uh, the weird thing for me about Sign of the Times. Normally this wouldn't be me, but the really overt pop moments for me, which normally would be my jam, 
don't work for me. And specifically, I'm talking about uh, playing the sunshine and I could never take the place of your man. Those are fine songs. I totally they agree. Don't work for me in this context. Well, and especially because I think part of it is because we're putting them up against th- these things. They're not. They're not pop songs in the classic sense, but they're like when you look at um, "Forever in My Life" or "Starfish and Coffee." I- or Ballad of Dorothy Parker. These are much more subdued tracks that are really just, they hit right in the emotional center of what they're going for. So when then, when you have like sort of more bland, what what you know from Prince pop moments or like these funk numbers, I think that they maybe aren't as enjoyable to me as they could have been in a different context because they're up against this other side of him that doesn't show up as often. I, uh, the, the only one I'm... I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just not as into is It and Forever. It, I can I can kind of see that uh, on that one there. Forever in My Life, I fucking love. That, no, that was I'm a gonna, masterpiece for me. Forever in My Life is, is a gorgeous track. And it, and it for me, it, it kind of follows, like I said, not as much with Starfish and Coffee, but with Ballad and Dorothy Parker. These are very stripped-down mm-hmm. productions. Uh-huh. And it's just about like, the great song that he wrote. And he just gives it, like, maybe a couple synths and some drums. And he just lets it, like, communicate on that level. Also, if you're not sold on Starfish and Copy, I highly recommend that you dig up the tape of the Muppets Tonight episode where Prince guested mm. on, where he, he, he performed. But also, oh my God. And also, but, like, I think Adore probably my favorite Prince song. You have mentioned that to me Adore, before. Adore, I think, is just one of the most fucking genius thing he's ever done. I think just the way just the way it start, all the layers of it, and especially like the slight changes of that when it starts off like as like a pretty basic piano love ballad up until like his kind, it brings in this funk moment yeah. and he starts like kind of like doing like his like, like kind of talking down kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, but you know, here's the other thing though. Slow love? Like, Slow love. Like it plays so- into his, like that lover man persona. Mm. But God, it plays into it so well. It's just, so it's, that is a great I, sex groove. I, like, think yeah. both, I think both of those, that's why I, I think that those two, like two of his strongest, strongest ballads yeah. are on. Also, the Neptunes and Pharrell Williams would not have a career had Housequake not happened. Let's be real. This was fucking 1987, and he did that percussiony hip hop thing, like almost before anyone else. Boom, boom, tsh, boom, 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 tsh, and then he had the horns and all the other shit on there. But also, like this week, the big thing about this week, because uh, I've always liked Sign of the Times, but for whatever reason, I don't know what elements were going on, but strange relationship with that bouncy kind mm-hmm. of boppy little uh, beep. Like, that connected with me. I don't know why. It never had before. Mm-hmm. And I don't really even say I necessarily think it's the greatest song he ever did. The only hot take I'm going to really provide for Sign of the Times, and this is a hot take, and I'm really, it's real fronting into it with Playing the Sunshine. I would argue this album opens with its weakest song. Um, really? Uh, you think Sign of the Times is the weakest it's like track? Playing the Sunshine for me. For me. No, I think it, it's, uh,. It depends on the mood. I'm it's perfect. I level like broad spectrum social issueness. I think it's also because I've listened to certain live versions of Sign of the Times a lot. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think like that song surprisingly, you'd think it'd be opposite, but that song like kills live. There's a lot more elements to it. Yeah. But no, I think I mean playing the sunshine or it. I think are definitely the the weaker yeah, ones on there. I would agree with that. Um, and I just. Yes, this album is incredible. You but got I the think look. that on the other hand, have we talked about this enough? 
Your face is Because jam. for me, Purple Your Rain has like five of the ten best songs he's ever written. Oh, and Purple so I Rain. just like, I uh, like, I, and I, I definitely, I didn't really, I hadn't heard re- of Sign of the Times really before we did Research Week and it jumped up for me. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. I think we're all in agreement. This is an incredible album. But Purple Rain, and this, and this is coming from someone who listened to Purple Rain like three years ago and didn't really like it that much. Now, obviously, I love it, but it's just, it's, I would say that side B of Purple Rain is his greatest run. Yeah, no. It's it's not even his greatest run. It is like the best side of an album that's ever been released. That is a bold statement. My, I do, do obviously, of course, love, love Purple Rain, but the thing is, it does have, it does have a song that I fucking hate. What do you say I'll say? Darling Nikki is stupid. No! And Darling Nikki is so stupid. Blue, I would maybe be so dumb. It can it can go fucking chill with all those lame ass stripper jams. It can go hang out with pour some sugar on me. Wow! Oh my god! Wow. I, wow. I I didn't I didn't th- I I, I feel we, I feel weird I feel weird saying At that all. the that oh I I like the second half of it, but I think that that <laughs> opening melody. And then, like, also that vocal melody. Like, what is that? What is it? Nikki was... I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. This is another moment for me where I really hear the Bowie. I really... I think that this is a melody that David Bowie might have written, like, in his, like, Stardust days. And so I think that Weird. that's this is. It's, I mean, it's I don't. Like, Prince didn't like being influenced by things. He found himself a little influential well, artist. Yeah, but, like, yeah. but he was very clearly influenced by at least a couple people here: uh-huh. Stevie Wonder, Bowie. Yeah. But and I I really think that that's if you look at if you look at this album through a glam rock lens, mm-hmm. it's like it explains any like weird questions you might have about it. <sighs> okay, but, but while we're in it, while we're talking about it. Uh, here's the thing, like, I enjoy Let's Go Crazy, I enjoy Baby I'm a Star, but motherfucker, if you break out, take me with you, or you break out, I would die for you at any time in my life, I will sing the fuck along to those, because those I would die for are you. flawless. I, like, I think you could argue is the best song he ever wrote. It's like so concise, so it's almost like techno, like early ba- techno. Like Baby, I'm a star. Yeah. I think is I think is actually one of like the top three of there for me. I'd have to go like Let's Go, Baby, I'm a star. Fuck, it's so hard to rank even just the album. Does, I mean, yeah, when, the song on this album. I would die for you, and when doves cry. Yeah, it's I know Purple Rain. He saw uh, I believe it was Bob Seger on tour of Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, and he's like, I want to write a song like that. That's how Purple Rain came about. Uh, which is fascinating. Also, in the movie, Wendy and Lisa are the people that wrote Purple Rain, but in fact, they actually helped co-write Computer Blue on this album. That was their big contribution to it. He wrote Purple Rain. All <laughs> I find it really through. funny about Hi, this side, side note on the Purple yes, Rain movie is that like the, I love how like his like, character redemption in terms of like there's not much story to oh, God. To, to Purple Rain, but like the, the what little story there is like his his 
character arc is or like to complete himself is like yeah. is like oh letting somebody else write a song for him and that's like not even the case in that's real life. Like, I know. <laughs> I, did, I did kinda love I did kinda love that that's like the background he gave it though in the film is like I, this man who I never had any kind of positive relationship is now with is now gone except that he was still very important to me. So here's a song written by someone else so I can cry about it and not ruin any of my songs. And the other thing about it's it, though... Of, and I was like, okay, no, that fits your the character. The plot of this movie, man, the kid, you know, like, talking about the kid, like, he's not packing him in like he used to, despite the fact that it's a full house standing room only audience that's dancing along to every single one of his songs. And by the end of it, he's also performing to standing house room only people dancing along to every one of his songs. Like, he's, he, they say he's not famous, he's clearly famous, and at the end of the movie, he's the exact same level of fame that he was. Like, it's just... It's, it's amazing, <laughs> that's, that's pretty, the plot. That's pretty true. Also beating women. There's a lot of that. Um, uh, but I mean, like then you got man, like when doves cry, maybe like one of one of the all time, one of the greatest songs of the whole eighties. Oh, absolutely! I would yeah. I, absolutely. What I wouldn't give, I want to, I want to, and I'm telling you this on a podcast right now. I probably should. I'm gonna, I want to murder Questlove, and here's the reason why: because he has the one of the biggest archives of rare print shit over there. What I wouldn't give, just out of pure curiosity, to hear the baseline that he deleted off of that. Because, like, he initially had to... I mean, it was like a last-minute decision of just, I don't like that baseline. I'm like, you can't do that! It's the 80s! But yeah, the ra- like, radio was like, what do you... Where's the bass? But the other thing is that it sounded like nothing else. And I also about. love... I also love that because there's no baseline in When Doves Cry, the lowest note that you hear is his bass harmony on the vocals. When he's like, mm-hmm. dig uh, if you will a picture. Right, when you dig if you will a picture. Oh, also, and I almost feel like he could have, like, if he'd right. had more time with it, he could have just mixed those vocals into the bass right. frequencies. Yeah. What's fascinating is, like, in terms of, like, his music, I think he may have said some revealed a little bit more in certain interviews. But that is maybe his most revealing song he has ever wrote, like, the most open that he's ever been about himself on record. Mm-hmm. Like, everything else is about this, like, idea of, like, creating, like, the character Prince. Uh-huh. Or, like, are these, like, different versions of him depending on what the album is. But like when doves cry, like um, like how could you just leave me standing alone in a world oh, so, so cold? cold? Like maybe yeah. I'm just like my mother; she's never satisfied. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like it's like the most on record that he's just been there that he's like revealed himself. But can we also talk about one other thing? And it's only only in Research Week did this happen. But on this album, Prince pulls off a magic trick that I I can't believe it. It's it's just it's perplexes me to all time. But I, John Harvey, I'm going to ask you this bold-faced. I'm not joking. I'm being dead serious here. What's Purple Rain about? The song? Oh. Oh, nothing at all. <laughs> what's, what's the chorus of the song? Purple Rain. Pur- and she's dancing in the Purple Rain. What the fuck are you talking about? What? Right. It's colorful precipitation. I've, I've heard. I've heard the the argument, or at least from like one beer, Lisa, or like I don't know, it's an argument, the, the declaration that, oh, you know, it's like it's like an idea, it's a concept, it's like it's like the regalness of like purple and like the redemption of rain, and I'm like that's cool, <laughs> but what is what is that? <laughs> really? Wow. I don't want to be your weekend lover. Like oh. Oh, okay. Like, right, but 
like purple rain, and even like the lyrics of the various verses don't really relate to I each know, other. I know it at is all. it is a song it, that is about nothing, and it feels like so, everything. It's so spiritual, and it's it's very it's very Stevie Nicks in that way. <laughs> is that it's yeah. a just it's just like a string of really pretty words, and and they're delivered with such emotion and, and power and yeah. power that it doesn't really matter what he's singing about because you feel the emotions that he's trying to send to you. So it doesn't matter what the words are. It is a pure magic trick. And only recently did I realize that song is actually about nothing. And yet you feel every feeling. And I love it. And I want to listen to every second of it. I know. It's the craziest goddamn thing. Uh, Yeah. I would die for you to make him. And also the screaming at the end of uh, Beautiful Ones. Can we talk about it? Totally saves that song. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Because it's kind of a eh, kind of intro. But it's then kind of like what, a... And especially in the film, once you see that moment, Do you want him? Do you want me? And then him just staring at Apollonia. Because I want you! And it's yeah. just like that power and that passion. And then the screaming. The like it is, oh my god. Every emotion in the world you feel in that moment. Yeah. It is passion and lust and desire wrapped into a perfectly executed moment. And so uh, that's that's the thing. I think that's what gives Purple Rain that little bit of an edge on Sign of the Times for me. Is that Sign of the Times, while it has like great evocative moments... It never has, like, the power in his vocal delivery like he does on so many moments in Purple Rain. I mean, so you're saying you haven't listened to Adore, is what you're... (laughs) (laughs) That is not what I'm saying. I have listened to Adore. But the psychodrama... I mean, well, they're both... I mean, weirdly enough, these are... Unlike the rest of his albums, and I think I can say this pretty successfully. Yeah, I think I can. Both of these albums are psychodramas in their own way. They are very much... They talk about the darker ends of relationship. Because when Prince gets really dark, he gets really interesting, too. And, like, there's moments on here... Like, I mean, I think about... When you think about uh, the weird pathos, the weird familial pathos of uh, When Doves Cry versus uh, even, again, uh, If I Was Your Girlfriend on Sign of the Times, by the way, covered by TLC off of their hit Chasing Waterfalls album, uh, Crazy Sexy Cool. Like, it's crazy. It's bizarre. It's a strange relationship. Oh, my God. Okay, guys, let's. we need to do something about it. John Harvey, you're pretty dead set on Sign of the Times being number one. I mean, I guess for the sake of drama, I am. <laughs> but truth be told, like, they're just so... They're both just so fucking good, and it's like, in terms of, like, do I think that, do I find Sign of Times to be a little bit more personal? I mean, like, it's a little bit more, it's got a little bit more elements that I'm into. I think it's, like, some more, like, kind of out there, like, out there type of songwriting. I mean, the thing is, Purple Rain does just have an entire decade's worth of culture added to it, so it's like, there's, like, certain... There's certain aspects there's certain biases of it. That kind there's of, like yeah. yeah, there's certain things that like I feel like by choosing one over the other, I'm discrediting it. I'm discrediting the other by picking it. You're not. This is so arbitrary. I mean, yeah, I, I just, mean, a, it is. Let's be real. I'm. I'm. I will not be upset by this decision either way. Not like fucking 1999. But <laughs> um, right. I mean, I'll be, you know what my vote is, but like I, I really would be fine with either of these albums being number one because they're both that good. And here's the thing, and I mean this truly. Going into this podcast, Purple Rain was just my automatic thing. This week, Sign of the Times showed me things, showed me sides of it that it hasn't had before. And I always 
loved albums that show you different aspects of themselves over time. Like, like the Avalanche Since I Left You is an album where, even to this day, I've listened to that album a hundred times easy, and I listen to it and I'm like, I've never heard that element before. Like, there's just these parts of it here. And I'm not necessarily saying that intricate production is the selling point on here, because I still hear, like, the, the little, like, my favorite moment on Purple Rain is during, not the string section samples on Take Me With You, that do 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 It's when he gets to that last part, and it's kind of like that bell sound kind of reverse that kind of goes in and out of the left and right speakers near the end, kind of this dreamy little, like... Again, with Take oh. Me With You, I, I I want it to be one of my favorite Prince songs, mm. and it just, it gets it gets cheapened by the bad female vocal again. Never does. And I, I always love it And I, I know, and it, and it, it like, it, I wish it didn't. <laughs> I really wish it didn't, but it just does, and it, um, also, it's definitely not string samples. He got real strings from uh, I mean, shit. yeah, but, but, like, the way it's structured, like, it, it's, like, it just feels like a smash cut, almost, like this... Like it just appears, like I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, so fascinating. And then the strings, the rising action on the second verse, and all the other stuff like that. And weirdly enough, and here's the thing you say that about Apollonia, it's, and, and I heard that they worked with her hard to get those takes the way that they are. There's something so everyman about her vocal takes that are just, they're not great. They're not powerhouse. They're not, you know, like doing lots of runs. They're I just. I just don't know why they tried uh, to have her do a high note. Yeah. Just don't. Just have Prince sing the high note if yeah. she doesn't have the vocals for it. Just like to, because yeah. her 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 vocals on the verse for the most part are inoffensive, mm -hmm. and then she tries yeah. to get up there and it's just so screamy. Uh -huh. But here and here's the thing, guys. We've talked about these things. We're over an hour into part two of this podcast. Oh, All right. Here's the thing. I'm the biggest factor of it. I love these albums dearly. You should get them both if you don't have them already. All I'm doing is thinking about how I don't like Computer Blue as much, but that doesn't necessarily weigh down the fact that it's even Hot Thing, arguably, and Playing the Sunshine are the parts that kind of weigh down Sign of the Times. I love these albums both, but we need to call it, guys, Sign of the Times, number two, and Purple Rain is number one, kind of expected and kind of regularly, but guys... I don't know, man. I'm just like... I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying... I'm just, like, the thing is, like, with side one of Purple Rain, besides, like, Let's Go Crazy, I'm just not as enthusiastic about it, and I just feel like there's, like, a larger concentrated chunk of things until it gets to, like, the perfect second half, whereas... I'm not sure if this necessarily makes Sign of the Times better, but at least because of how different it is, like, you don't have to go as long before you find, like, another brilliant track. Okay, I, I, I guess I understand that argument, but it also, for Sign of the Times, I, I think because it's longer, yeah. there's just more f like, for me that doesn't... Like, Purple Rain is nine songs. It gets in, it fucks off, and leaves you with... And yeah. so, it like, has. it just... For Sign of the Times, it's just... There's just a lot more things that I kind of want to skip. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Playing the Sunshine, I don't think it's going to make anyone's ever mm -hmm. top ten playlist of My Prince songs. And there's a, you. someone could make a rational argument of nine of Purple Rain's nine songs being in a top ten. I don't yeah. agree with that argument. I'm just saying that that argument can be. No, made. no, I mean, I, but the thing is, both of my, both of, my love of both albums mainly comes from the second half of both. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. guess, like, if you, like, I, I enjoy listening to Sign of the... I mean, and, we, and can listen, go, we can that, go with No, we can go... We can, yeah, we can go I know that Adore is your favorite song of all time, but I will also argue that Prince will never write a more perfect song 
then I would die for you. And that is literally end-to-end. -end. It's bizarre, kind of like, I'm not a woman, I'm not a man, I'm something that you'll never understand. How is that not, like, embellic a prince to the T, to the, to the to the unpronounceable symbol, you know? Sure, let's, let's <laughs> do it. And listen, guys, as you can tell, we've all given up stuff to make it to where we are, but let's go ahead and nail number six, controversy. Number five, 1999. Number four, I can't believe it, self-titled Prince. Number three, Dirty Mind. Number two, Sign of the Times. Number one, Purple Rain. But guys, as you can clearly tell, there's so much more to get through on our season finale. we got a happy hour mini show that will change your life. Strap in, get ready. In the meantime, thank you for listening. Thank uh, everyone for being here. I can't believe we did this. Uh, leave a comment on Facebook. I know you are going to be on there. You have something to say. Rate us on iTunes. We're amazing, or at least kind of, sort of. You should probably give us at least two stars. Uh, that's at least what we would give, Parade. <laughs> Please don't give us a two-star Give us a, Give us a four, maybe. You heard how good this conversation was. But guys, in the meantime... <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, we think that you are all individual listeners, the most beautiful girls or guys in the world, truly. We mean that. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on listening. You know that we'll be... Goodbye!